Hello and welcome to today's episode of Tracking the Storm, your source of Blizzard Entertainment, games, and marketing. I am your host, Chaz Lutterlow. So on today's episode of Tracking the Storm, I'm going to be taking us back to the era of tight-fitting jean jackets and grunge rock to delve into the murky past of Blizzard Entertainment in hope to uncover the buried keys to their success and to even relive some of the glory days that I missed out on. You know, ever since I could fit my hands around a GameCube controller, I've been a gamer. However, I was never interested as a kid in playing computer games. That's mainly because my entire experience with the computer was spent typing reports and doing homework. Then, that all changed when my best friend became obsessed with StarCraft II. All he wanted to talk about was Zerg Rushes and Forgates. I figured it was time for me to find out what he was talking about. So I spoke with my dad, who was a huge computer geek, about getting a new PC. And after failing to answer a series of confusing spec questions, my dad offered to give me his laptop. Thus began my descent into Blizzard Madness. I bought StarCraft as my first computer game and played over 3,000 rage-fueled ranked games. Then I purchased and beat both Diablo 2 II and 3. I attended and played in several Hearthstone tournaments. In 2016, I started my own Twitch streaming channel where I played most of the Blizzard games. And even now, I choose to fill my free time with spectating StarCraft matches and exploring the constant changes to Heroes of the Storm. This was all in the past four years, so I can accurately say I've become an active member of the Blizzard community. This segment will take us through a glimpse at the history of Blizzard and some of the thought that goes behind all of Blizzard's decisions. Before the Storm Let's begin. Back in 1991. And according to an article on IGN, The History of Blizzard, Silicon and Synapse was founded. And it has been reaching out to video game studios and offering to create ports for them. The founders Alan Adham, Frank Pierce, and Mike Morhaime had connections within these studios which led to them creating ports for J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings video game and Battle Chess 2, Chinese Chess. Back in these days, they relied solely on word-of-mouth marketing and they would continue this way until they began work on their first major game, Warcraft Works vs. Humans. During production of the real-time strategy game, Silicon and Synapse was renamed to Blizzard Entertainment, a change they made to attract hardcore gamers interested in the chaos of their upcoming release. According to the Wikipedia article Blizzard Entertainment, production of Warcraft completed in 1994 and its premise of orcs fighting humans drew in fans of the popular book Lord of the Rings and also offered one of the first local multiplayers over LAN, which allowed friends to experience online competition for the first time. The selling points and the game's colorful and humorous style made it Blizzard's first major marketing success. Immediately after Warcraft was released, Blizzard began working on their next big project. They were looking to appeal to groups of hardcore gamers interested in cooperative play, and they wanted to be able to provide a service to allow the game to be played online. To do this, Blizzard bought Condor Games, which was a studio in development of a dungeon crawler game named Diablo. While the game was in production, Blizzard created a free online multiplayer server called Battle.net. This service allowed people to chat online and search for games. 
Eventually, when Diablo was launched, the new Battle.net service was a massive success, bringing in millions of new gamers interested in playing together online. Years later, and after many sequels, Blizzard merged with Activision, another gaming studio famous for titles such as Call of Duty and Guitar Hero. They also created BlizzCon, a gaming convention created by Blizzard to showcase their games and announce major changes. Other major titles were also released, such as Hearthstone and Heroes of the Storm. These were spin-off games that used the success of more popular games, World of Warcraft, Diablo, and StarCraft II, as marketing for their creation. That brings us to today, where Blizzard is an idol of the gaming industry and has created some of the most beloved games ever. As an avid Blizzard gamer myself, it's easy to tell how much effort they put into their games. It's great looking back at the good old days and remembering how much fun a game was. Even though for me, the good old days for Blizzard games are so recent, it's the long-lasting impressions that they've made which makes these games so fun to remember. Such as when I think about the interplanetary wars in the first StarCraft, it wasn't the mediocre late 90s computer graphics that drew me in. Instead, it was the storytelling and the unique characters that I found enjoyable. And the way Blizzard creates worlds leaves a slideshow of memories that can seem more real than the memories I've even had in everyday life. And that's what I believe Blizzard wants people to take away from their games. There is one title in the Blizzard library that I have intentionally neglected to mention, Overwatch. I'll be outright that I'm not a fan of first-person shooters, so when Overwatch was first announced and I learned it was a first-person shooter, I rolled my eyes and looked the other way. It wasn't until I took the time to look at the cinematic trailer that my opinion changed. Overhyped. I can't remember what I was looking for, but while I was bored scrolling through endless clickbaity YouTube videos, I stumbled across a thumbnail I've never seen. It was simple, a gray background with a white and orange logo displayed brightly in contrast to the plain background. I was terribly bored and, you know, with nothing better to do, I clicked it. It opens with blackness, a slow fade-in revealed a 2D animation collection of pictures. Quickly, the music rushes in. The narrator, a man with a knack for drama, mentions conflict and the world teetering on the brink of anarchy. And dark images of raging fires and wounded soldiers show a World War scale fight between humans and robots. The Steel's monsters, complete with machine guns attached and bright red eyes, are clearly winning the war. At this point, I'm thinking, this is just a cartoon-style Terminator game. Nothing really new or interesting. Not until the narrator introduces a group of scientists, Overwatch. A team of near-superhero characters who use their futuristic technologies and abilities to stop the robot invasion. They are protecting innocent people, performing action shots, and just generally looking awesome. And that's when the narrator says that they negotiated a peace between the robots and the humans. Then mentions over a span of 20 years, Overwatch is disbanded, its associates leaving in disgrace. The camera zooms away to show that the narration and images were part of a museum exhibit. I felt a little cheated by the cheap exposition, but was impressed by the 3D art style of everything. Similar to recent Disney animations such as Frozen or Tangled, the animations were super fluid, almost near realistic, and the characters really stood out and showed a ton of emotion. I leaned forward in my lounge chair suddenly interested in this game, and after a series of quick-paced back-and-forth action scenes, the trailer ended with the same orange-gray logo I saw on that thumbnail. I was hooked. 
finally on the week of the game's launch, I was hype. I was so excited I pre-ordered the Origins Edition, which was an extra $20 just so I could have some special in-game skins. Then when I got my first chance to play the game, I kind of ran into some problems. First of all, the game had very high system requirements, meaning my semi-old laptop could barely run the game. I wasn't able to run the game with good graphics or even in a windowed mode. I was forced to play with not even quite a 4x3 ratio, and the game would constantly crash on my computer. Worst of all, it confirmed my biggest bias. I don't like first-person shooters. Even when the game was running fine, I just didn't enjoy the gameplay. I felt it got repetitive, my teammates didn't know what they were supposed to do, and I got frustrated with how bad I was doing. Needless to say, I had overhyped the game. It was disappointing to know that the awesome game I had built up in my head wasn't so good after all. I don't mean to turn anyone off to the game, because if you'd enjoy first person shooters, then you might actually enjoy it. But for me, I would just rather watch the cinematics that Blizzard releases. Alright, so that is going to about do it for today's podcast. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Tracking the Storm. I hope you enjoy it. I'm Chaz Lutterlow, and I'll see you guys later.